Hello and welcome to this episode of Mercy Talks Money, the podcast. I am your host, Mercy. And I am a money talker. What that means is I believe in having open and honest conversations about money, whether be in the home, in the social setting, in the business setting, or anywhere in my circles. I believe in having open and honest conversations about money and how it affects our lives and our relationships. So if that resonates with you, welcome home. I'm so happy that you are here with me. I am so happy to have found a person who is aligned to what I believe in. So I hope that you can make this your community and share this podcast with other like-minded people. We are available on a major podcasting platforms. We are also available on www.mercytalksmoney.com and also on Instagram as Mercy Talks Money. We'll also be rolling out to other social media platforms and therefore just like, share and subscribe so that you are in the know. Alrighty, today I want us to talk about um, money and particularly about how psychology the psychology of money let me put it that way and it's simply because um i've always had this feeling and also because i interact a lot with people around um, issues of money whether it be in, in personal finance or in my background as an accountant i've always encountered this conversation with money i've always been able to sit in places where I get to observe how people interact with money. And from that, I, I, I came to the realization that it's not as simple as, as I thought. It is not um, as straightforward as I imagined. It's not that if you just know how to add, subtract, divide, and, and all that, you will be good with your money. It's not that because you went to school and studied accounting, you would be good with your money. And also that if you didn't go to school and study accounting or any finance related course, you wouldn't be good with your money. So I've always had this, this feeling that there's more to our relationship with money. And over the years, I've seen how it plays out um, because there is a religious aspect to money. There is a psychological aspect to money. Obviously, there's the educational part as well. But there are other areas. There's the physical aspect as well. So there, all these come together. So today, I just want us to focus on the psychology of money. And I know it's, it's a new area that's coming up really well, and I'm very excited about that. Um, we're having a few universities that are now um, offering um, financial psychology. Previously, the more popular courses had to do with behavioral finance. So it was more from a corporate standpoint to say, um, how do customers 
or how do people pick spots? For example, I know that that was the most popular approach to education when it comes to finance. It was more behavioral finance to say, um, how do people make financial decisions in a corporate setting? So I'm very happy and very excited to see um, a few universities who have designed um, financial psychology and financial planning um, courses at master's level that focus on personal finance. I, I think it's an area that has been neglected for too long and maybe the overlap between the area of psychology and the area of finance has always been felt or thought to be worlds apart. So I'm very happy to see that we are now bridging this gap to say, let's let, let's have the two fields talk to each other and see how we can help people. So very, very, very excited about that. And it's one that I'll be following very closely. So let me start with this because I think it's a good way to, to land. And also because um, the, this book, it's called The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. He's one of the people that are currently um, heavily invested in this area. And, and, and I like his work. I think it's relevant to the time and gives us great context. So I'm going to read literally chapter one of the book. The book is called The Psychology of Money. I know I like reading. I read a lot. I read wide. So if you're a follower of this podcast, you will come to learn that I'm always reading. I'm always quoting a book from here, there, and everywhere. So this is a book I came across. Oh, I got it earlier this year. I remember my friend got me a voucher for um, exclusive books. So I went and bought myself this book because um, I had wanted to read it. So it's one of the books that I got with that voucher. So chapter one, he says, and, and it's titled, No One is Crazy. So it reads, people do crazy things with money but no one is crazy. Here's the thing. People from different generations, raised by different parents who earned different incomes and held different values in different parts of the world, born into different economies, experiencing different job markets with different incentives and different degrees of luck, learn very different lessons. That is point number one, that everybody, everybody has different lessons and different experiences with this one thing called money. Therefore, our expression and, and how we are going to spend our money, make our money, live our lives where money is concerned, is going to look differently for each person, depending on the generation, the time, the part of the world, etc., etc. So that is what Morgan is saying here. And then he goes on to illustrate it by saying, what seems crazy to you might make sense to me. The person who grew up in poverty thinks about risk and reward in ways the child of a wealthy banker cannot fathom if he tried. The person who grew up when inflation was high 
experience something the person who grew up with stable prices never had to. The stockbroker who lost everything during the Great Depression experienced something that tech worker basking in the glory of the late 90s can't imagine. The Australian who hasn't seen a recession in 30 years has experienced something no American ever has. So on and on and on, he says that um, people who are sitting at different times in different countries encounter different things and therefore it shapes how they view life, how they view money and how they handle their money. So think about it in this way. When you are, I'll talk about people who offer advice. When I'm in a position where I need to offer financial advice to somebody, it is not straightforward. I can't apply a blanket approach because the person I'm speaking to has had different experiences. They were born into a family that's unique to them. They have had a life that's peculiar to them. Therefore, I can't just come in and start telling them, oh, yeah, that's how you split it, 50, 30, 20 budget split. This is invest 10% or save this, do that. Without having an understanding of who they are, the matters that make them up, where they've been, what they've been exposed to in their life, what are the lessons they learned. And in the same book, Morgan talks about how until you've you have experienced something, you really can't fully know how it is until you have actually walked through a recession. You cannot just read a book about how um, country X was going through hyperinflation and think you know what it is. There is something, you know how we always say experience is the best teacher. There is something that happens to you, he says, when you go through that thing that will frame how you then um, approach the same situations going forward and also how you would then approach your own life going forward, all areas of your life. So, for example, um, I, I would say for myself, I, I finished school at at the t around the time of um, the economic recession, the 2008 US recession. And then obviously the waves were still coming to the side. So by the time the waves reached us here, I was meant to have been entering the job market. But those plans didn't work out because there were no jobs. So I had to detour and go back to school, all of that, all of that. But from that, my generation, I would say from 2009 to date, we have been through so many things. We went through the recession. We've been up and down with inflation. We have been through COVID. We have technical recessions. We've learned worse. We didn't even stagflation, all of that. So our approach to money is going to differ significantly to our parents' approach to money, simply based on um, the exposures that we had. Back then, they went through what they went through, what we hear about now. 
we have not been through it with them. We don't know how the economy was then apart from what we read in books and what we hear from them. So our approach is going to be different. So as you give advice to people, it's, it's important to be cognizant of who they are, how old they are, where they are from, what they were exposed to, etc., etc., because um, different experiences for different people, different lessons for different people. So that is the first aspect. The second aspect is, is it has to do with genes. We are all made up of genes. I mean, I'm not, I'm no doctor, I'm not even a psychologist, but my my education from my education i've gathered that two people came together i inherited genes here from this side and this side of the family genes united and and now we are learning through um what what's now trending around the area of epigenetics and gene expression that um in in that coming together of two people to form me and genes were passed to me. There are some genes that um, have expressed themselves already and we are able to see them. And there are some that have not yet been expressed. So at this point in time, I may be having some genes that have not been expressed because they've not been triggered, um, but not to say they are not in me. So how that affects your financial life is that, as you can imagine, you are inheriting good and bad genes. So some of those are going to have an impact in your financial life. And, and while we may say we know them or we've studied ourselves long enough to see what we've inherited, remember you still have the ones that have not been triggered and therefore have not expressed themselves and sometimes it takes a, a period of stress or a traumatic event for that gene to express itself so even even if up to now you think i think i inherited sensible genes that have allowed me to have a normalish financial life be cognizant that we are not done here we are not done here and even for people who see uh, when they self-reflect that um, perhaps they have inherited some genes they wish they hadn't, let me put it that way. I don't want to label them as good and bad genes, but to say the ones that you really wish could have skipped you, those ones. Um, even for people who see that, I would say good it's good that you realize that because now you are opening yourself up to do better, to correct. So um, such genes may be um, just as you can inherit diseases. Cancer runs in the family, heart problems, etc., etc. Sometimes you have um, financial related genes that are running in your family some people are born entrepreneurs let me put it that way to simplify it for you um 
there are people who the gene of being a business person runs in your family the gene to go out there come up with business plans that actually make money it runs in your family and you inherit it and you are able to tap into it run with it and create wealth for yourself that's a desirable gene that you may have inherited on the other side you may have inherited a gene of um how how do I put this nicely? Greed. There is no nice way to put it. Maybe you inherited greed and you see that in, in my pursuit for wealth, there's an underlying factor here. There's, there's the desire that I have is not, is not honorable. So it's, it's, it's important for you to be cognizant of what's driving you, what's driving you, what did you inherit, um, what is being expressed through you at the current moment. And then um, another thing that affects us psychologically and shows itself um, through our money patterns is the systems that we are exposed to or what they call it, what they call systemic harm. There are many systems that we're exposed to. It's your family, it's your religion, and what they believe in, the country you were raised in, the laws that are prevailing at that time. It's, it's, it's um, racism, feminism, it's capitalism, it's all of those isms that you can think of. Those are systems. And some systems have good aspects, some don't. And because of your exposure to that, to those systems, sometimes it, it, it ends up um, causing you harm in, in how you relate with money because um, the system conditions you to see yourself a certain way. It conditions you to believe you can only access certain things and can't access other things because they are for other people and um, there is oppression in there as well so that um, you're creating this notion that um, for you to reach this level you need to be of this certain caliber and if you are not you cannot rise to this level so such systems also have an impact on how we see ourselves how we see our ability to earn how we see our ability to spend what we can spend on and and how we overall interact with money how we're able to keep money how we do business how we circulate um, money in our communities and largely it does impact your access to financial education because sometimes um, in, in the hierarchy that is imposed by these systems, information doesn't trickle down or access is not granted fairly to all. Therefore, um, the, the scales are always tipped in favor of some and not others. So that's that's basically some of the things. It's, I'm not even done with it. I'm not. I've not even scratched the surface of how um, the psychological factors affect uh, how we express ourselves through money. I'm not even. I'm not even halfway through. So, but I just wanted us to get this awareness, get this perspective to say. Um, 
the lessons that we learn, the experiences that we have, our genes, um, even attachment wounding. I know this one has been trending. Attachment styles have been trending of late um, to say, what's your attachment style? Especially when it has to do with love relationships. We talk about, um, so what's your attachment style in relationships? So the same way we talk about that, remember money is universal. So the same way secure attachment, insecure avoidance, insecure ambivalence, disorganized attachment, all of that. Think of it in terms of money. That's your homework for, for today. Go through those attachment styles and relate them to how you relate to money. What's your, your money attachment style? So um, I hope you found today's episode to be enlightening. Um, it's just a drop in the ocean and it's a conversation that I will continue to have. This is just the beginning of it. Today, I didn't want to overload you with information because this one can be a bit heavy and it can be a bit triggering. So if you liked today's episode, share it with your friends, share it with your circle, go on and read further on epigenetics, on systemic harm, on attachment, on any of those that has to do with psychology of money. Um, Morgan's book is available. It's, it was released quite recently, so it's still um, available worldwide. You can also buy the book. You can follow him on social media. Um, like and share the podcast. Remember, we are available on all major podcast platforms. We are also available on our website, which is www.mercytalksmoney.com. We are also available on Instagram at mercytalksmoney. And um, we'll see you next time. See you next time. And remember to always strive to have honest and open conversations about money. Thank you for your listenership. Bye.